Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by the OG OTB crew, Zach Blostein, Chris Nee. Gentlemen, welcome to the bench. After sitting on the bench all weekend, hopefully you're uh, you're hyped up and ready to go for this one. I feel like it's a rare moment to get all three of us, just just us three together now, with all the, the, with the big crew we have. The nucleus, yes, is like the, the core and everything's like the extension. We're like the Iron Men of the Marvel Universe, if you will. You know what I mean? Nope. Okay. Not at all. This episode of On the Bench is sponsored by Chattanooga Whiskey, as well as the Turner Group, sponsors by Arsenone. Uh, Chattanooga Whiskey is crushing it in the whiskey game, making other Tennessee distilleries a little nervous, I think. Uh, they, they do a phenomenal job of producing multiple tiers of high-end whiskey, rye, uh, bourbon-style whiskey, experiment finish stuff they do a great job in general 111 proof is my favorite it's a fantastic value for sub 50 dollars one of the best values out there you can find them pretty much anywhere nowadays you go to sealbacks.com find them you go to their official website and find the link through there but you can also just go to your local like total wine or uh local shop as well and find chattanooga whiskey so this is going to be a massive episode fellas we have a ton to get through a lot of information uh, we want to do it as fast and as thoroughly as possible. So minimal shenanigans from my end. This will be all business. Uh, we want to blend this episode into a recruiting recap of Legacy Weekend, uh, as well as our thoughts on FSU's first three spring practices, including a padded practice on Friday. We're going to start with the recruiting developments from the weekend. You guys were there uh, working, grinding extremely diligently. Tons of great content up at Knowles247.com. Subscribers, I implore you, if you're not subscribed, Please check out Knowles247.com. The amount of information that we get out in a timely manner is, frankly, it's it's impressive. So let's get into it. This was Legacy Weekend slash like Elite Recruiting Day. Chris, if, if you can kind of just break down the events surrounding the day uh, before we get into all the different recruiting news and, and tidbits and information, the, the last or the, like that 48-hour span, it was a pretty cool environment uh, from what I can gather. Yeah, it spanned Friday and Saturday. So on Friday, you have Jameis Winston coming back to town. He throws out the first pitch at the evening baseball game. Prior to that, during the day, they had a healthy amount of visitors, some of whom were going to be two-day guys, some of whom, like a Mississippi group, for example, that were going to be one-day guys. So they get a lot of guys through the door, put in a lot of work. Some of those kids get to check out FSC's practice, which started in the mid to late afternoon. It was a padded practice. It was a feisty practice. They got after it. The depth of FSU shows currently – on the practice field and the competitiveness of the roster is also showing. And I think that was a very good thing for those guys to see. I, in fact, I asked Mike Norvell after that practice, uh, essentially how important is it to get recruits out to a practice like this? And he said, paraphrasing, essentially it reinforces what we tell them about the amount of work that has to be put in at this program to succeed and, you know, what it takes to be a member of this program. You know, the, the spill we've heard consistently from Norvell in his time here, if you don't want to work, don't come here. You know, short version. Uh, fast forward to Saturday, Jameis Winston still in town, as well as little brother Jonah Winston, who had picked up an offer from Florida State this weekend. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, congrats on your newborn Jermaine. Healthy baby girl, from what I understand. Good for you. He is in town getting a brick retired right in front of the Moore Center, the latest brick on the Legacy Walk area out there. They're setting that up. They've got banners of all the former FSU guys in the NFL, so on and so forth. Also, guys like uh, Keir Thomas, Jay Sean Corbin, they were also in town. Uh, feel free to mention anybody I forget because, yeah, I'm a little sleepy. I'll be honest. Uh, 
so Saturday's an insane day because you got Jermaine's brick retirement early in the morning, late or early afternoon, late morning. You've got Buster Posey, you know, future Hall of Famer, Major League Baseball player, pretty good ball player around these parts too, arguably one of the top two ever along with J.D. Drew. I'm not going to get in that argument on this podcast. He's going to be at the baseball game. He's getting his jersey retired. They're putting his number up out in left center. He's one of four numbers now out there. Uh, His wife, his kids, all four of them are there. His son throws out a first pitch. Link should have immediately uh, extended the scholarship offer after seeing the first pitch from his son. So that's all going on. And all at the same time, you've got a boatload of really good talent here for football recruiting. And uh, it was pretty nuts. I mean, they rolled a ton of kids through. And it wasn't uh, quantity over quality. It was quality and quantity. And that's the most impressive thing. Year over year for FSU, where they are in recruiting right now versus where they were a year ago, they're getting really, really good talent on campus in multiple classes. We had a lot of 24, 25s, and 26s on campus this weekend. Numerous five stars, multiple four stars. And the most impressive thing, a lot of these guys are making multiple visits to FSU, have been here multiple times. And they're talking about FSU as though they're leader, front runner, top three, top five type school. It's not just courtesy visit. These are cats that FSU has a real legit chance at landing. Uh, it was a long day. Zach yelled at me one time, which I appreciated. I like when Zach gets feisty. And uh, it's because I couldn't hear it because I'm old. What did you ye- What did you yell at him, Zach? He was si- yeah, he was uh, – Chris was trying to tell me something, and I said what because I couldn't hear. I was the one who couldn't hear. Um but it was because there was a guy like rolling something in the background, like yeah, squeaking one of the big wheels. cement bricks that they used to keep the tent down for the Jermaine event. They were rolling it away on a car, and as they hit every brick, you hear blah 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 blah. So we couldn't hear each other. But yeah, Zach yelled at me for that. But I needed that. Zach's very Zach's very angsty these days. I, I thought of it over the weekend. I'm gonna start calling him. Oh, he's getting sad as I'm saying this. I'm gonna start calling him Groot from from Marvel, second Marvel reference of the show. I'm supposed to keep it on topic. Uh, remember when Groot starts becoming a teenager again? Yeah. That's you, Zach. Hey, Groot. Whoa! Hey. You got some acorns on you, kid. Ever since you got a little sap, you're a total d-hole. But to get us back on topic, because Sinone struggles with this, I know. Um, Tons of talent. We talked to a ton of it. I think we've run roughly two dozen interviews. We probably have another dozen or so to still push out. And we'll obviously chase some of the guys we weren't able to get in person. Wilt Fong wrote a great encompassing national piece where he spoke to numerous guys, painted a really good picture of it. I'm not trying to blow wind. They got no commitments publicly out of it. It was insanely successful. They are well positioned for a ton of really good talent in multiple classes. And their recruiting is as good as it's been around these parts in six years. The, the casual fan wants us to know about Derwin James and Jalen Ramsey not being there this weekend. I don't know why that became a talking point to the extent of which it did. But. So, and Zach can chime in on this too. It was put out with the baseball comments of Jameis will be there with these other former players. Those those names were mentioned by FSU in a release, just to be clear on that. Mm-hmm. But the truth with guys who are in the league who don't live here in town, don't live near here in town. Obviously, those two guys are West Coast dudes at this point in their lives. Uh, well, Jalen, welcome to the Dolphins. But at that point <laughs> oh. in his life, he was still a West Coast dude. Um, Till they're here, you just you don't believe it's definitely going to happen. Uh, schedules come up. They blow it off. Who knows what the circumstances were? I, I don't get why it sweated. I, I don't think any kid was disappointed this weekend because Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James wasn't there. Would it have 
intensified the emotional response of some kids this weekend if they were in the building. Hell yeah, those two dudes are guys. I mean, I love Derwin. Derwin's one of my favorite guys I've ever covered here. I love watching him play ball. Jalen is Jalen. We all know, you know, mouth of the South kind of guy, and he gets paid really well because he's a really good football player. So, like, yes, would it be awesome if they were here? Sure, they weren't. It was what it was. The weekend was still super successful, and I, I don't know. I'm just not going to latch on to that conversation, I guess, is the best way I, I put it. To me, I just thought it was not smart on FSU's end to release that, like, early in the week through baseball. Like, it didn't make a ton of sense. Um, that was my only gripe with it. I don't think it really impacted the recruiting event all that much. I think Chris is right. Maybe if they're there, you get some more emotional response out of kids. Um, but I, to me, I, you know, Jermaine and, and Jameis were both super powerful in their message to recruits. I mean, we can talk about it more when we get into the, these individual prospects, but m- multiple recruits talked about, you know, just how impressed they were with, with uh, both those guys and, and their message to them. Uh, and especially, um, you know, when, when they're talking about their families, like I think Cam Davis was talking about his mom, um, just being super impressed when, when talking to, to Jermaine or Jameis, I forget which one, which guy it was. Um, but they were, they were walking around, um, and, and meeting a ton of guys at the spring practice on Friday and just think it was, it was awesome to have those two guys there specifically. Yeah. Jay Sean hung out with some, with Cam Davis, I believe yeah. too. Jermaine's comments, I mean, it, it's not to get a sidetrack. It's utterly amazing to me how devoted Jermaine Johnson is to this program for a guy who was literally here for 12 months, but he actually loves his place. He loves and appreciates Mike Norvell, John Papuchas, and several other people within that building. And he did a phenomenal job during his brick ceremony. I, I'm sure on what was a very long morning because of the fact that he had his daughter the evening before it was, it was an emotional, lovely speech. I mean, it, it was, it was cool. Like Jermaine's a guy that loves the place. I just, I think it's amazing. You know, we talk a lot about how the culture has flipped here. Jermaine is like a hundred percent proof positive of the culture flip here. He is a representative of a guy who helped flip that culture and he embodies what the culture now is. And I, I just thought it was cool. And Jameis is always, you know, Jameis is really good on a mic. We all know this, you know, if you're going to do it, do it big. And he carried that torch pretty well on the weekend too. And had fun outside of a bad first pitch. Jameis was really good for FSE this weekend. That was that was a toughie. And for some of our younger audience, like you know, Jameis Winston, the Heisman Trophy winner, he was a really good relief pitcher too. Like he was, uh, he was- go go YouTube uh, FSU Clemson baseball right field throw to third base. That's all we don't need to know <laughs> on Jameis's ability to put one on the glove. But you know, classic Jameis, he's, he still had fun with it, which is I think part of of his appeal. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson is living proof that the transfer portal is sustainable if you recruit the right type of guy from the transfer portal. Um, I think that is a poster child for it. So let's get in to the recruits, some of the different breakdowns, interviews we had. Let's start off with Charles Lester III, five-star cornerback from Sarasota. Guys, he got the Fong crystal ball treatment. Fong dropped a crystal ball on Sunday evening, uh, gave a 6 out of 10 confidence score, which is standard for Fong. But uh, that that was a big development for this recruitment because we have long believed FSU sits in a good spot. For Charles Lester, now, Zach, I'll throw this to you. It seems like FSU is the front runner, and to have a national pundit like Wilt Fong put his name on it, I think that's a significant development. Yeah, I mean, if you watched or read our story um, on Nolsway for 7 Friday night when we posted it after speaking with Charles Lester at FSU spring practice, I mean, he all but said he was, like, 
so close to committing to Florida State. He basically said he's already committed, but he wants to wait a little bit. Like that, that's kind of the messaging he he put out there. Um, he also said that uh, he just wants to pack his bag or yeah, pack his bags and just stay at FSU. He didn't want to leave. So um, the quotes were were like incredible um, in that interview. I think it's like a six minute interview. You can watch the whole thing on our YouTube. Um, but there's also a story of it because we know some of you guys hate video. But yeah, so I I think FSU like definitely leads for Charles Lester. Um, I think the biggest competition right now is probably Ohio state or Alabama. Um, those are the two schools that, that seem like the biggest threats to FSU. Georgia is also another program in the mix. They got him on campus, I believe on Saturday or Sunday, he was with the seven on seven team. Um, they were playing in Atlanta and they, and, uh, they visited as a group over in Athens, but I really like where FSU stands with Lester coming off of, uh, of this weekend. Um, I think, They've done, you know, just an incredible job of recruiting him. Um, he's, yeah, I, like, I don't know his timeline. Maybe you can chime in on this, Chris or Brendan, but I think, you know, if, if he makes a decision anytime soon, I think it's going to be Florida State. Yeah, Alabama, Georgia are two of the other major contenders there, and that's been kind of the consistent theme. Lester is a guy who I, I don't want to describe him as waffling, but there there's times where I think he gets amped up a little bit and it feels like it's on the verge of happening. And I think it's fair to say Friday was an example of that, but then it usually calms down. It takes a bit. I do FSU's led there for a while. Um, feel very comfortable about it. And I know in buyers know we're going to talk about uh, the crystal ball, but I wholeheartedly agree with the crystal ball. Um, I'm just not sure when he wants to do it. I think there's still visits in his future to some of the other contenders and obviously back to FSU yeah. before we probably get the words out of his mouth. He set but up three OBs. Like, FSU can't be in a better spot than they are right now with him, plain and simple. Yeah. Other than I, holding his commitment. I I tried to put in a crystal ball for him this morning, and the system wouldn't let me. Which Oh, your crystal ball got revoked? I think that's what happened. Good. It's probably for the best. After all the stuff you did last cycle. Um, no, but he's, he has three OVs set up uh, for the summer. So Georgia will be first at, at the beginning of June. Then he'll get to Ohio State. And then finally, his last visit of the summer will be to Florida State on, I think that's the June 23rd weekend. Uh, FSU does love building some momentum at the end of a recruiting cycle in the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's significant. He. He's one of a couple that mentioned that date. No one is. And can I fast forward just a bit? Jason Zandamella. Let's let's get into Jason Zandamella because we'll circle back around to Charles Lester later, who's the headliner. But Jason Zandamella is someone else who has a crystal ball uh, from Steve Wiltfong. Had one going into the yes. weekend, I think, like a week before. He's a four-star interior offensive lineman from down in Clearwater at CIA. CAI? Um, CIA. No. CIA. Any- CAI, Clearwater Academy International. Anyways, go ahead, Chris. Um, Zandamella was at Under Armour on Sunday last weekend, so eight days ago now, and I chatted with him, and it was abundantly clear how much he likes FSU, and that's been a consistent theme with him since the very beginning. FSU was early on him. He's very close to Lucas Simmons. He loves Coach Atkins. Uh, Cooper, who works with the O-line as well, is another guy that's really built a strong bond there, and Zanamello just likes the place. He likes what it offers, what it is. It makes him feel good. Uh, The interesting thing is, on Sunday, like, he didn't dance around FSU being his leader, but he wasn't direct with it. This week when he wrapped up his visit, he, you got to ask who's your leader, and he looks back at the more in the building and goes, yeah. I mean, 
it's it's clear he wants to get to USC. He mentioned Oklahoma. I think Oregon's another one. There might be one more school I'm forgetting there. I think there's a few visits he wants to take, but his timeline's almost exactly the same as Lucas Simmons. End of June, official to FSU. Early July commitment to FSU, most likely. And that's where we are with him. And he's a kid that can play interior and can snap, so he could certainly be a center for them. And, you know, him and John Daniels are the two guys that are currently playing high school football in the state of Florida that I think FSU wants in their class on the offensive line. Is snapping the football important to you guys? Let's go to and linebacker Peyton Pierce from Texas. He's someone who we caught up with on Saturday morning. He was there on Friday, so we got to see the practice. And, and that's a newer name to add to the equation, right, Zach? Like, that's not a guy who was high up uh, on the board as far as, like, our radar. But getting him around campus, getting him here on campus seemed to be a, a pretty sizable development for FSU in that recruitment. I think he had released a top list, like, a few months ago, and Florida State wasn't even in it. It was, like, a top 10-plus schools. Um, but FSU – so Peyton Pierce was – uh, on vacation in Florida at, in Destin. And I guess FSU had communicated, we want you to come to campus. This is a big weekend. Well, he did so. And, you know, I don't know if he had the highest expectations going in. Like he just, you know, he didn't know what to expect. He had never like really known about FSU or really considered them before. But he said the visit was like extremely eye-opening and was was way better than he thought it was going to be. Um, and, that, and that involved spending a ton of time around Mike Norvell, um, Randy Shannon was, was in the film room with him, breaking, breaking things down. And he said like a really cool moment was Randy told him, you know, pick what, what's your favorite NFL team? He said the Dallas Cowboys. And then he's like, pick one of their games from this past season. And Randy would break down the film in front of him, like linebacker film and like, uh, just be able to tell like exactly what was going to happen, like before the play each time. And that, that was like insanely impressive to, to Peyton, um, he, the, the, the highlight of the trip for him was definitely taking in practice. Um, he said that he's kind of tired of all like the junior day and recruiting stuff that goes on. Like when he, when he goes to campus, he just really wants to see these teams practice and, um, was absolutely impressed by not only, you know, the intensity of the practice, but just the, the nonstop tempo. And, um, there, there wasn't a lot of wasted time as, as we all know, um, at an FSU, uh, practice, even in the spring. So no, he, he really enjoyed the visit. Um, he said he definitely wants to get back. Um, that, those were his words. He, he does want to make a return visit to, to Tallahassee um, after this trip. Um, I don't know of the other contenders. I think Ohio State's pretty big in his recruitment. Michigan's another school. Um, and then there's some schools in the state of Texas from where he like where he's from um, that are involved. But I think FSU is cementing themselves as, as a school that he's definitely considering moving forward. It yeah, he's a, open to moving out of state. Sorry, go ahead, yes. Chris. He's a tackling machine, 131, I think, last year on the field for Peyton Pierce. Notre Dame is a school that had a lot of good footing with him early on, but they've had a good amount of staff changes in South Bend. I don't know if that's altered that. To reinforce the point of how much he liked it and the intention to come back, his tweet last evening, had, him, had an amazing time in Tallahassee this weekend. I can't wait to be back. Thank you. And take Coach Norvell, as well as Randy Shannon, posted pictures with both of those guys in the tweet. Um, Pierce, the way he was described to me, football guy, just plain and simple, loves football, wants to watch it, wants to learn it, wants to do it, wants to excel at it. He's pretty serious about that part of it. And, you know, buildings are cool and all that, but like he just wants football. He wants to talk football and understand the game better. And I think uh, FSU's approach with that is usually pretty good with guys. 
you guys are saying that Randy Shannon impressed a blue chip linebacker recruit. Go figure. Sticking with an out-of-state defensive prospect, let's move to Mississippi. Camorian Franklin, top 50 prospect nationally. Uh, played some defensive end in, in high school, but you know, he, he, he passed by me at uh, at practice, and he is going to grow into being a defensive tackle. Uh, a malleable guy you can move across the line, but that is an impressive-looking dude, and um, FSU seems to be in a good place for him as well. Yeah, I'll take over that because I actually – had some conversations, um, you know, not only – or Dane caught up with Cam Franklin and put a, a full story on those 24-7. Um, and then, you know, I caught up with some sources surrounding that recruitment. And I I think FSU has some real deal staying power here. Um, I think Tennessee, from what I heard, is probably the biggest threat. Um, Alabama is involved, but um, I think Tennessee is the school that's, that's made a strong impression on Cam Franklin – um, and, the, and he's going to trip to a bunch of places in, in March and April. I think Miami, Florida, South Carolina, or some other schools he's getting to. But I think FSU sits in a really good spot after this trip. Um, he loves Coach JP, Coach Odell, um, some other guys on the staff that, that are involved in that recruitment. But mainly those two guys. Um, he's saying he wants to play D-end at the next level. He's probably athletic enough to do so, but he weighs 270 pounds right now. Um, and he's got the frame to put on even more weight. So I think he's probably going to be a pretty elite three tech at the next level. And I think that's probably where he, he ends up. But if he wants to play, if he's saying he wants to play DN, I think you just, you, you start him there and, and see how it goes. And then, you know, if that's not the, the ideal situation, you, you move him inside at the next level. Um, and I think that's probably the, the plan at all these schools. So yeah, I think FSU sits in a really good spot. Um, he'll likely be back um, early summer from what I was told. I don't know if that's going to be for an official or unofficial, um, but he'll he'll be on vacation in the state of Florida. I, I was told, uh, I think it's either late May or early June, and he's planning to stop by FSU around that time. Let's move it on to, hmm, going down the line here. Let's go down the state of Florida, South Florida specifically. St. Thomas Aquinas wide receiver James Madison the second. No, not the James Madison, but still an important James Madison for FSU. Top 200 recruit nationally. Has good size at six foot three. We've talked about him a lot on the pod and, and the YouTube channel as well. Zach, I know you're a 954 boy as well. So I'll let you talk about James Madison and, and the developments of his recruitment from the weekend. Yeah, I think he's probably FSU's top realistic wide receiver target. When I say realistic, a guy that they have a real like real shot of landing in the near future. I think FSU definitely leads for James Madison at this point in his recruitment. I don't know that he's close to making a decision, but if you were to make anyone soon or any, any uh, commitment soon, I think it would be Florida state. Um, he just absolutely loves FSU. Um, coach Ryan Bartow is a primary recruiter there along with obviously receivers coach Ron Dugans. They're both um, extremely close with him and his family. Um, I think he's, either related or like really good friends with uh, James Houston, uh, that, that family, the, the former UF linebacker who's now in the, uh, in the NFL, um, his James Houston's dad was on the visit with James Madison um, to FSU this weekend. He stayed two days. So Friday, Saturday, uh, really enjoyed seeing the, the practice and then was around on Saturday for all the, you know, Jermaine Johnson's uh, brick ceremony, 
and then uh, got to speak with Jameis Winston as well. Um, I think FSU sits in a really good spot, like I said. Um, I don't know of his return, uh, if he has return plans, um, but I think he said he wants to make it back for uh, maybe another spring practice or possibly the spring game. Um, some other schools involved, Alabama off this spring, um, Missouri, I believe he's originally from Missouri. Um, someone can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I believe he, he is originally from there and then moved to South Florida um, within the past you know few, few years. But that's a school that's, that's in the mix for him. Um, and there's some other programs that he'll get to over the spring, but um, I, I, you know, if I was going to put in a crystal ball, anywhere it'd be, it would definitely be for to Florida State for James Madison how many wide receivers do we think Florida State's going to take in this class I think about four to five yeah I was thinking about that this week and myself I mean if you think about Rossford there's a healthy amount they could potentially lose between early departures and guys that will age out um yeah I, I think it's one of those years where they go a little heavy and I think it's kind of making up for two years ago where so portal heavy this will be more high school heavy so, yeah, I agree with the four to five number. They have, what, two currently? Abrams and Camden, right? Mm-hmm. I forget anybody. Right. Nope, that's, that's and then, it. I think they definitely want another speedy guy and definitely another big guy. Definitely. I know for 100% fact they want a big guy. James Madison's a good example of a big guy. I think he's listed 6'3", 200-ish. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on to someone else who's on the wide receiver board who was here this weekend. That's B.J. Gibson, the athlete from South Georgia, uh, a multi-sport player, multi-sport multi-positional guy in high school but fsu does like him as a offensive weapon wide receiver type his his film's a lot of fun as well low end four star i'm not sure which one of you guys caught up with him may have even been dane so yeah, not sure was, who wants to it was dane who wants to take this this recap real quick chris has got what well, i think it's his sixth visit now to fsu he's been just such a regular and one time tennessee baseball commitment backed off that uh, both sports are appealing to him and probably still factor into the decision. But I think at this point, we can call it a football decision. With regards to FSU, he really likes it here. It's not far from home. He's from Rochelle, Georgia, Wilcox County, so kind of south mid-Georgia area. And he's just been regular. Chris Thompson's done a really good job there building a relationship with him, uh, his people, the high school coach, that place. is very, very welcome there, Chris Thompson is. Ron Dugan has now built a bond. With BJ, that's one of those areas where there was playing a little bit of a, as this thing got more serious, Dugan's relationship was going to matter more and more. And I think they've done a very good job of that on recent visits. And he just keeps showing up. He's a guy that very much has trended towards FSU. Again, though, it's interesting. FSU went from not begging for commitments, but, you know, not being able to be super selective a year ago at this point in time. And now, because there's so many names on the board, it's almost like they don't want to rush at times to just take a guy. I think there's some guys that they want to obviously see during the evaluation period that will come up after this open period here. So for about 45 days from mid April to the end of May, and then probably also want to get them on campus in June for their elite camp event and other camp events to work them out in person. And I don't know if BJ necessarily definitely falls into that category, but I think BJ is a guy that they like a lot. I'm just not sure they're ready to fully green light. And that's not incriminating upon him. It's just a matter of, I think that's because they have a lot of options and it's about finding the right ones and not just taking one. Okay. So two current commitments, guys, who we've talked about a ton on this podcast. So no need to like reintroduce who they are. Luke Cromanhawk and Cam Davis. Uh, I do want to get our thoughts on specifically the Cam Davis interview because it, the big news out of that guys is that he says he's pretty darn close to shutting it down totally which 
when you're talking about a five-star running back recruit in the state of Georgia and you worry about other other programs within the region that are going to be kind of hovering around there, that, that seems, Georgia. Like, seems like an important uh, conversation for him, him to have and to, for him to articulate. His, his mom tweeted out how much she loved the visit, calls Mike Norvell Norvi. I think that's a big win. Reading, I love reading Minutia, and that's as important of a detail as I think we're going to Can we start calling him Norvi? You go ahead and do that, Zach. Have fun. Go for it, Zach. Um, Not Cam Davis loved the visit. I was told basically that the goal on FSU side was to try and push that message. Like, you love it here. Is there really anywhere else that that you've been committed for two years? Like, just shut it down. Like, you you know what you're getting here. Um, We've been consistent with you throughout. You've watched this program grow from when he first committed they were, you know, he even mentioned in the interview, they were winning three games to now um, he's he's committed two years later and they just came off a 10-win season with even higher expectations in 2023. So, um, yeah, that was the that was the message from Florida State. Um, and I think that was well-received. And Kim, you know, offered that up when I asked him about uh, the possibility of taking other visits. I basically was, I phrased the question, like, all the headlines in your, your recruitment over the past few weeks have been you know you planning to take all these visits is that still the plan after this trip um and, and if so what what where are you trying to get to and he basically said that he's very much close to shutting his recruitment down um he feels very comfortable with his pledge to, to fsu and that you know he didn't offer up that he was going to uh visit any program you know i didn't follow up on that question but um, he he made it pretty clear that that he was um, close to shutting it down i guess we'll see Right, if he steps foot on another campus, that that means his recruitment is not shut down. Um, but you know, I I think Cam has has got a good hold on on where things are with his his process, and he's a guy that's been you know involved in the recruiting process for so long because he's been a national recruit since he was you know a freshman in high school. So he, you know, I think FSU knocked it out of the park with him. Um, and like you said, his mom is super comfortable and, and loves Mike Norvell and and the rest of the coaching staff. He got to spend a ton of time around Jay Sean Corbin and also Trey Benson was involved a little bit on that visit. They took a photo together, all three of them, Corbin, uh, Davis and Benson outside of the Moore Center that I think it's on Twitter. Um, that was pretty cool, I thought. Um, and and it's good for, you know, Coach David Johnson, Coach Yak to get to get all those guys together and, and you know, help help recruit Cam Davis to Florida State. Yeah, Cam's a smart, mature kid, always presents himself well. You can go watch his interview, and that comes across in that interview. Very Georgia's going to Georgia's gonna be unrelenting here, um, especially right now because that's a position where they do need a guy. We'll see. I mean, I, I, you don't discount a team that's won back-to-back national titles and a kid that lives in that state, but FSU's done a phenomenal job with Cam. Cam's done a phenomenal job with giving FSU an opportunity and obviously been a very, very solid commitment for a long time, so – I don't want to dismiss Georgia entirely, but like I'm not concerned at this point regarding Cam Davis. He was walking into the baseball stadium before, like uh, probably about 20 minutes before Jameis Winston's first pitch. Yeah, on um, Friday. Yeah, on Friday, and he was he was brimming, like he was super excited and just really enjoying himself. I got to witness that, and I. A reminder, like he is a, a two sport standout, much like Jameis Winston was. I think that was a really nice, just like touch for for Florida State uh, to be yeah. able to have him there and watch that. A cool side note on Cam: he's always involved his little brother in all of this, and like it's really cool. Like he, you know, 
he wants to make sure his little brother's enjoying this process alongside him. And he's little, like he's really young. He's probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit older, but he's, you know, he's not a high school kid or anything. I just think it's cool that Cam has the, uh, the maturity to, you know, do that for a sibling. Let's finish up our recruiting talk with some 2025 prospects. Zach, I will throw this to you. It wasn't just 2024 guys. Uh, there was some big time, high priority, uh, rising juniors as well on campus. And it seems like we're talking about like long-term what FSU is doing recruiting and kind of are starting to see some of that traction with, with recruits in this cycle, but the 2025 class, uh, they are, are trending in a really good direction for some immensely talented prospects. Yeah. I mean, there's three guys I want to note in the 25 class that I think FSU sits in an excellent spot with after this weekend. The first, I'll start with Georgia linebacker commit, five-star Jaden Perlot. I think is how you pronounce his name. I hope so. Um, but Jaden, made he made it in on Friday night. And cool anecdote here. Basically, Dane and I were leaving the facility around 7-ish because that's when all the, the visitors that arrived earlier in the day had left. Um, so we went to my apartment to work for a bit. And then I drove Dane back to his car at the Moore Center. And we noticed there was a recruit on a golf cart, like when we were driving by, I'm like, it was 9 PM. I'm like, what is going on? Like they're, they're hosting recruits this late. Um, we come, you know, we get to the, I'm like, you know, it's probably, you know, we'll probably see them tomorrow if they're going to make that kind of late trip. So we see the, the same prospect tomorrow. And it turned out to be Jaden Perlot, the five-star Georgia linebacker commit. Um, he basically told me in the interview that if he changes his mind on UGA, it's going to be Florida state. Um, he said FSU has been recruiting him the hardest since uh, he became a, a national recruit in the eighth grade. Um, really loves Adam Fuller. I think that's his main connect at, at FSU. Defensive coordinator Adam Fuller. And then linebackers coach Randy Shannon was definitely involved uh, on this visit specifically. They spent a good amount of time together. But Mike Norvell, he said he spent the most time on the trip with head coach Mike Norvell. Um, that was an impressive, you know, uh, takeaway from the interview just because you know he's a guy that that is so highly touted and and you know we know Mike Norvell likes to get personalized on visits of guys that he really really likes this is a 2025 prospect we're talking about so we know that this guy's a major priority for Florida State um, and Norvell basically told him you know although he's a linebacker he thinks he's versatile enough to play you know all over the FSU's defense if you were to come here um, Perlot said as far as a return visit he might make it back for like another spring practice or um, possibly the spring game. But if he doesn't you know, come back uh, anytime soon, he'll definitely be in attendance for the opener against LSU in Orlando. I think FSU is going to make that into a recruiting event um, somewhat like they did. Um, I think it'll be on a bigger scale than what they did this past year, um, you know, bringing some prospects uh, over to um, New Orleans to play that game. And I think, I think, it's going to be a big deal um, this time around just because you have it in your home state. You, it's easier to get kids to come there. It's not like a real recruiting visit, but um, it, it's similar to that um, in, in that they can experience the game atmosphere um, in, in Camping World Stadium. So I, I would expect Perlot to make their, or make it to that game along with some other prospects that we spoke to over the weekend. Moving on, five-star tight end Ellis Williams or Elias Williams. I want to uh, bring Chris in here because I know he's a huge fan of Williams. Big um, fan. Yeah, um, you know, Williams left the building and basically said Florida State was his leader. He 
he offered that up. That wasn't even a question that, that was asked to him. Dane t- uh, caught up with Williams, and I thought that was pretty noteworthy. Like he really wanted to put that out there and, and say that in the in the interview because that was in his opening basically statement. Yeah, and FSU's worked really, really hard with him. He uh, he actually came on campus for a team basketball camp with Leonard Hamilton, and his group of players came over to Moore that day. And I believe that's when FSU may have actually pulled the trigger and offered him. That was last summer. Now, he's made subsequent visits since then. He came in in late January, kind of an individualized visit. I believe it was the last day of the January period, same day that uh, the tight end from Grayson came in, Kylan Fox, but they were kind of staggered where each got their own time. And then he's obviously back this weekend. John Papuchas, who helps recruit that area, has done a good job. And Williams would be a hell of a D-end as well, but he's being recruited as a tight end by FSU. Chris Thompson absolutely loves the kid, uh, thinks the world of him, thinks he's about as prototype as they get at that position, from what I understand. And, yeah, I'd agree with that assertion because the kid's got wingspan out of wazoo. He's built really well. He's thick. He's physical. You know, but he's also really athletic. So he's a guy that you think can be a really good pass catcher down the field, but that can do a ton for you at the line of scrimmage as well. And as we know, FSU loves a variety in their tight ends. But I think it's, this is a young man who all the variety is within him, which is why he's so appealing. Uh, you know, I, I made pretty bold statement that I think he might be the best tight end on the entire board, and that includes a board with Landon Thomas, who's spectacular in his own right. So. Yeah, Williams is special. FSU's done a phenomenal job. They've built a really, really good relationship there, and they keep getting him on campus. And the most important thing with a young prospect is keep getting him on campus. If FSU gets a kid on campus half a dozen times or more, they're going to have a great chance of pushing for a commitment from that young man. Guys, we are flying through this uh, by our standards. This is impressive. We've gotten through the the Legacy Weekend, Elite Day, play a little buyer. Sonono now and kind of transition. Sonono. Sonono, Sonon, yes. Oh, Sonono or Sonon, yes can be a, a spinoff as well. Uh, let's give a shout out to the sponsor of Buyer Sonon. The Turner Group. There you go, guys. Come on. I thought you were funny. giving a shout out. I'm sorry I froze there. I'm usually really good about that. You are. You, you are. Good. The, cof- the coffee drip just hasn't taken effect yet this morning. Chris is surprisingly animated and yelling out the Turner Group. Uh which is a lesson in life. You pay anyone enough money and Chris will yell anything. I just like the water, the Yeti. I mean, he does, I use, he I use it on a daily basis, basically. All the time. Uh, the Turner Group is a husband and wife realty team. Colin and Amy Turner, FSU grads. Colin's great people. I've really enjoyed getting to work with him the last six or seven months or so. Really good dude. Huge FSU fan. And they work extremely hard in making sure their customers are happy when you're looking to buy or sell a home in the state of Florida. Uh, they're based in Central Florida. They can help you out through the entire state. The market's always changing. You want to make sure you're in good hands. Call an Amy Turner, who we would recommend and suggest uh, because they're going to work really diligently for you. You can reach out to Colin Turner at 407-403-8546 or email him at get started at the Turner Group, Turner Group excuse me, sorry, Colin.com. Let them know on the bench sent you. And, uh, and yeah, they're starting to gain some traction there with this sponsorship. And, and we really appreciate the opportunity to work with, with Colin and Amy Turner of the Turner Group. So let's get going here by Orson Known. Starting off, Thongs, Lester, Crystal Ball. Are we buying it or Sinone in it? Buy. Big buy. We can talk about this. Buy. Yeah, I know, but someone jumped ahead. Guys, hey, let me put in the Crystal Ball. Show Crystal Ball. I just did it. But yours got revoked. 
Nope. I uh, threw a tantrum, and that's what happens in life. You, you complain about something long enough, and it'll get changed. I do think uh, – I'll just add to this conversation. Uh, FSU, I would have said led, what, like two months ago? We would have said FSU was probably the leader. I think that would also would have been the case like four or five months ago as well. So pretty much this entire offseason since the, the the 2022 campaign wound down would have guessed FSU is the leader. And the fact that we keep feel that way, I, I think is significant. I'll go even further. He visited last summer, I believe during one of the seven on seven events and uh, FSU led then like Bama and Georgia were there. Like the thing is, it's not constantly changing at the top. It's been consistently mm-hmm. the same. And we all know what Alabama and Georgia are. But FSU led before FSU did what they did last season. And I think the feeling is that it's trending in the right direction continually. To me, Lester feels a lot like Hakeem did last year, where like he's a guy that I think FSU's done a good job of being ahead on, aggressive with. They kind of have an in with him in the sense where he does like him and does appreciate him. I just feel like in the end, they're going to be able to get him and beat out some really, really good power schools. Maybe I should have phrased the Byersonone this way. I'll redo it. Byersonone, FSU over the field. For Charles Lester. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that's our significance of, of how we feel there. Uh Byers Sinone, crystal balls in general. We we back in, fellas, or still a little leery. Sinone. Um, I think crystal balls have turned into something that was they weren't meant to be. Um, they're supposed to be predictions. Um, they're not supposed to be the tell all of a recruitment, but you know, people uh, take them as gospel. And I think that's not the, the purpose of them. I do like, you know, the kind of engagement they draw to recruitments and, and you know, the site in general, that that's, you know, fun when you put one in and then you, you drop a story right after and everyone gets all hyped up. Um, but the, the issue comes when, in, when I put in a prediction or someone puts in a prediction and the kid ends up elsewhere, um, especially nowadays, it's so hard to predict where these, these guys are going to sign, especially when you get close to, to signing day because of all the, 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 opportunities that are being presented um, through via name, image, and likeness. And I think that's really uh, caused some issues, at least on my end, when, I, when I'm thinking of putting in a crystal ball, you know, what, what happens if, if John Ruiz, you know, makes a last minute ditch or last ditch effort. Um, and there's opportunities that are presented. Um, yeah. I, I just think that. Um, careful, careful, Zach, careful. Litigious. Zach loves name dropping that name. He likes keeping himself way up that list on the uh, yeah, I, things might happen list. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried. Um, he's he's got a lawsuit going right now with the NCAA, right? He's about to like sue them or something. He has discussed. I believe that. statements were made alleging such, but I don't know. Yeah, Zach keeps happened. doubling down. You know what, Dane Draper, you're making some crazy comments right now. There, so to it. answer the question, I, I'm still going to do some crystal ball. So I guess bye. I, I'm just not in a rush to do it. Literally in your name, Chris. The ball. Okay. That, that I expect that from Brendan, not from you. Yeah, Zach. that's a weird um, pivot. I, I still intend to do them. I mean, I'd put one right now. If I put one in today, I'd put one in for Lester. I'd put one in for Xander Mello for sure. Probably still John Daniels, even though he didn't show up this past Wow. Weekend. So original. Right. I feel I feel comfortable with a guy like Will Fong leaving in charge. Steve gets paid a lot of money to take bullets. I'll put it that way. So like I'm comfortable with Steve doing it. But like, yeah, I'm not gonna entirely shy away from it. But Zach is right. Recruiting's always had a element of surprise that can exist or misinformation or just, you know, hey, I woke up this morning and felt different than I felt the last seven months. 
and with NIL and other factors going on now, that's been amplified. So yes, that exists. I I am fairly indifferent on people's opinions about things I do. So like I'm not gonna let that stare at me one way or the other. I like the crystal balls. I think I think they should be an entertainment value. People get uh, we want people to care about our product, right? Like we want people to get emotionally invested, and that means they get mad over something happening. So be it. Sometimes it's gonna happen, guys. We're in an entertainment game. I'm buying on crystal balls, and I just dropped one. May drop more later. We'll see. Buyers Sinone, BJ Gibson is a take right now. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think it's worth circling back around on uh, because he is a talented wide receiver, but that board is is crazy talented right now. So do we think if BJ Gibson wanted in this class today, would FSU take it? I'll go with buy, but with a caveat that after like half of the updates we did this weekend, people respond with, is he a take? Takes an interesting word. Like FSU's not, FSU's not standing at the door before a kid leaves and going, hey, you really need to commit to us right now. They're not, like, a high pressure, not they're not a high-pressure outfit like Manny Diaz. But, like, Diaz they're not in a rush to do that. They have boards. They have a healthy amount of kids at a position they like. We talked about receiver. They have two committed. We think they probably want four to five. That means they have two to three spots. They're recruiting, what, probably 15 wide receivers that we would consider guys that would be beneficial to this program. You're going to figure that out. You're going to take your time, collect as much information as possible, and make the right decision. If a guy called him today and really wanted to commit, they'd have to have that conversation. At the end of the day, that, that rests on Mike Norvell's shoulders. He's the one that will ultimately make that decision. Probably you know, chatting with the position coach, coordinator, and a guy like Derek Rick. Those are the guys that are probably in the room making that decision in a moment. But it's not a, like, they don't stamp a guy, take or no. Like, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It just, it humors me when we get asked that so commonly there are some guys that are no doubt takes charles lester is a prime example of that but there's a whole lot of guys that there's kind of nuance to it all where they really do like them in the end they'll probably take them right now they would probably consider taking them but they're not in a rush to ask for the take they're not pushing for him to commit they're allowing it to play out sorting out their board sorting out their options getting a better feel for all the options and then they'll make a decision down the road also known it for right now well that's just because of what chris said i think they're working out that board and they don't want to rush into anything because they already have two guys committed. And if you look at the board, um, we've covered, you know, these recruitments over the past few weeks. They've had multiple, like, five-star level receivers come to campus um, just, you know, in, in the early portion of March. We've still got the rest of March to go. And then um, pretty much all of April visits uh, on campus at FSU. So there's a ton more talent that could roll through the door. They want to lay eyes on these guys. And then the May evaluation period, Will be important as well It'll be, it's a, it's an important piece to the entire recruiting process because you get to see these guys work in spring ball at their respective high schools and you know make some more uh decisions based on that uh, as to whether guys will or will not be takes for you at the end of the day um i think bj gibson is is a huge priority and whether or not he's a take right now doesn't impact how much fsu is recruiting that that guy i mean he's been on campus six times he mentions talking to FSU more than any other school. I think Georgia Tech and, and UF are the other two like uh, contenders for him. But um, FSU just continues to make a strong impression. Um, and I think, yeah, he's just uh, he's an absolute um, guy that they they are going to recruit heavily, despite you know whether or not he might may or may not be a take right at this instant. 
Uh, this is going to be a buyer to know that might yield very different results just because of the 15-year age discrepancy or so between the two of you guys. Buy or Sinone celebrating St. Patrick's Day. I'll say buy. Um, I don't I don't go too crazy, but it's a fun holiday, right? Like if you go out, it's pretty pretty enjoyable. Um, but it does get a little wild. Um I would I would I could see, you know, if Chris says Sinone, um, although that might be sacrilegious. Yeah. He is Irish. Um, Zach's been paying attention. I'm proud of him. I'm buying. I love St. Patrick's Day. I don't get to celebrate it as some like to celebrate it because usually it coincides with like baseball going on or recruiting or spring football. I'm usually busy. So like I can't tell you the last time I uh, turned up one too many Guinnesses on the day and enjoyed myself a bit too much. But I love me some Ireland. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, as the FSU Knowles 247 Irish representative, I just want to say I'm all for it. Like I love the place. I'm Irish too. find that insulting i'm jewish i pull off irish better than you though you you do you, you carry it a little bit more it's that boston part of you you're doubling down doubling down um oh. being irish <laughs> by orson known as we transition into football aspect of the podcast here daryl jackson will end up being fsu's top transfer from this class I'll go ahead and uh, well, I don't know about top transfers. I might have to synone it, but I will say every time I'm at practice and like they finish anything with contact, especially on Friday where they got after it, there are certain people that work with that position group that walk by me and just are like, Dow Jackson's a killer. Like, every time. <laughs> like it, it's just funny. Like it's emphatic. And he is, he's super impressive. He's a large human who really can move and moves people off the spot. And you throw him into the combo of what FSU has up front on that defensive line, he can do some things, and it's going to be fun. I don't know if he's a top transfer. Uh, you know, I think Fentrell Cypress is really damn good. Obviously, we haven't gotten to see Braden Fist much because he's still coming off the shoulder situation that he Jaheim had Bell. when he came here. Jaheim Bell is not a name. So I don't want to be in a rush and say, yes, he's the best. But the hype is real, and it's fair, and he can do some things. And he's a havoc wreaker. Zach, after Chris stops talking, you start talking. Is usually I just, how the I wanted to make like weird faces at you and stuff. Yeah, that's great for the audio medium for this podcast. They, they would appreciate it um, if they knew what was going on. Well, hey, real real quick, no, it's, a, it's, no, you're, I, you're so, you lost your I, what? you lost your chance. You're synoning it. Yeah, <laughs> he's synoning on the principle of the best. I think. Yeah. Yeah, if I think he. he was, I think he shares common thoughts. Where, where did we put? We I think we all had Daryl Jackson like. I can tell you, I have my list right here. Chris yeah. is keeping notes. He had Dane's hot takes written down the other day. This is not yeah. good. I do not like more lock, more snaps, and bell right there by Dane Draper. It's written down. Uh-oh. Uh, I had Daryl Jackson at seven. Yeah, let's yeah. throw that out. I, I at this point, I definitely put him ahead of Gilbert and Casey Roddick for sure. We didn't even mention Jeremiah Byers, who I'm ready to have his children because of how much I enjoyed watching what? him on Friday. Uh, you heard me say that on Friday. Let's not that like escalate. I, didn't say those I didn't know that was like a podcast. Dude, Jeremiah Byers was fun on Friday. That man, his ability to get his hands on people, move them, and when they're doing some two man work, What's switching off blocks, happening? unbelievable. <laughs> Calm down over there, Brendan. I, so, you know me. I love watching the big men work. Jeremiah Byers is exceptionally, unbelievably good. He is the best offensive lineman FSU has had in a quite a while. Uh, you know, uh, Roger Johnson, Cameron, those are names that come to mind when I'm thinking about where Byers can sit. And 
But yeah, I had Cypress, Bell, Fisk, Byers as my top four. I think Jackson's right there with that bunch. So that top five is really, really impressive. Uh, that was borderline pornographic, that entire minute-long grant by Chris there. Uh, I, had, I was at practice on, I think it was a Wednesday or Friday, and had Friday. someone from the staff walk by and and say, as I heard it, you look different up front. And I said, what? And they said, we look different up front. And then I had to have this realization of just how conceited I am. I thought they were talking about me. I mean, I've been doing yoga. I thought I'm thinning out a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the talk was about the trenches and how how different that group looks from this time a year ago. It is yeah. impressive. So that'll wrap up Byers to Known. That'll take us into our observations for the football program. Uh, as we are through three days of spring practice, Chris mentioned we got to see them in pads on Friday, which is you know, the most instructive part of watching practices is how guys handle contact and, and physicality and whatnot. Kids show. Uh, we are 50 or so minutes into this episode. I don't want to rapid fire through this, but we are going to try to move swiftly. We did talk about our initial thoughts from day one of spring practice last week with, with Dane and Zach. Really want to get Chris's thoughts now that he's been able to pay a little bit more attention and dig his heels in and, and kind of see this group operate in person, especially up close and personal on Friday because we were inside the IPF. Got to see the entire practice close. Great first day to watch them up close because it was padded practice. Uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, my, oh, go ahead, Chris. If you want to do a, a general observation. Real quick. Well, I was just going to say Monday was so busy that I really only got to see 10, 12 periods. Really right. Good. But I, I watched the entirety of Wednesday and Friday uh, outside the first 10 minutes or so of Friday because I was daddy daycare for a little while. Um, I, the football team's really good. Like they are deep. They are talented. They are competitive. The ability to have two to three guys at most positions is unbelievable versus what we were looking at 24, 36 months ago around these parts. Uh, the amount of different types of dudes that they have in the trenches on both sides is pretty unbelievable. I've, I've expressed my love and appreciation for what Jeremiah Byers is capable of already. Keontae Jones has been fine. I think Casey Roddick was particularly good on Friday. I'm not the least bit worried about Casey Roddick. The way that kid's put together mentally and physically, I think he's going to be fine. You know, it's third practice with his new team. It, it's one of those days is what I'm going to say. Jaheim Bell. You know, Zach expressed him earlier how good he is. He is versatile. He is a Swiss Army knife. He can do a ton. Running back room, we know how talented it is, and they all look very good. And Keziah Holmes, I'm starting to join the hive a little mm-hmm. bit. I'll even be honest about that. Wide receiver, Darian Williamson, who I think Brendan was first on, for the record. Yeah, have we um, talked about that before? No, but Williamson's right there with a group that we already know has plenty of good pieces. Micah Pittman, as he put out on his vlog, is out for an extended period of time due to a hip situation. So obviously some guys are going to have to step up in some of the roles that he filled, but they have plenty of options and they are good. You know, trenches, I love them. I think FSU is as good in the trenches as they've been in a very, very long time. I think the capability on the defensive side to show a lot of different looks and do a lot of different things is going to be an asset and something they're going to lean heavily into. We know the two backers are going to lean on. We know how good they were. Secondary, Duke Cooper looked fine this week, and Mike Norvell has been very bullish. K.J. Kirkland may be the most well-fitting freshman of the whole bunch currently. Brooklyn's also been pretty good in his own right for a quarterback who's having a ton thrown on him. But K.J. Kirkland's continually made plays, continually been mentioned by coaches and players for what he's done through three days of practice, completely fits in. And, uh, you know, Fentrell Cypress is one of those guys that, like, I don't feel like he gets talked about a lot, but he's consistently just doing exactly what he was brought in to do, Probably which is lock up a spot and allow you to move guys around. So I, I feel really good about it. 
Like, I, I think they've got a group that has all the capability in the world of competing for as much as they want to, as long as they consistently bring it every week out. I had someone express to me like a, it's not a concern that a player has more realization. And that's just the level of competition at their specific position group. I think you could probably apply this to almost every position group on the team. It's, it's you can't have a bad day because there's someone gunning for your spot on the depth chart. And that is a, that is by design. That is what Mike Norvell is trying to cultivate for guys to compete and be okay with competition and be comfortable with it. But, but this player articulated that like, yeah, like I, I can't have a bad day because I will lose my spot. And that's, that is very real. I think we're seeing that firsthand at practice and that's ultimately where you want your program to be. Like, that's a really good thing. It's a really encouraging development. Uh, let, let's talk about the just go position by position real quick. Chris did a good summary of it. We want to get in depth on some, we can stop and, and take a minute or two to talk about them, but uh, let's just go through what we've observed, what we've taken away, uh, what we feel good about, maybe concerns or unknowns, things like that. Quarterback room, I think the deepest that it's been since Mike Norvell's been here, which may not be a particularly high bar, but Jordan Travis looks like he continues to just physically get better. Uh, the throws he's making just seems someone's comfortable in his own skin right now. Tate Rodemaker makes some really nice throws. The A.J. Duffy development, guys, let, let's stop there real quick. I think that's been been positive. Still very yeah. early on, but but there's been growth. Mike Norvell complimented him on Monday and Wednesday with how he's done. I think Brock Glenn coming in has helped uh, motivate him a little bit. It's always good when there's a fire burning underneath you. Uh, Friday, I didn't think A.J. was particularly very good. But, again, guys are allowed to have off days. And, you know, I just – I didn't think Friday was as good as he showed on Monday and Wednesday for praise he got on those days. But I do think Duffy's been better overall speaking. And Brooklyn, I mentioned earlier, I've, I I think for a freshman who's three practices in and having a ton thrown at him. And you got to remember, FSU, because they have so many return, returning pieces – there's not a whole lot of like, this is how we're going to do it, trying to learn. Obviously, there's always installation, but it's not – I would not describe these practices as much about teaching as they have been in the past. This is about competition, and it's about competition because, hey, we know what we're doing. We know how we're trying to do it, and everybody needs to go out and do their best. So that's putting a lot on a true freshman like Brooklyn. I think he's done a good job of handling it. Yeah, He's had freshman moments, but he's done a good job of handling that and being competitive and working hard and – on to the next rep and doing a good job with each rep as they came. And you know, he's not had a moment where he's looked purely frustrated like a freshman sometimes mm-hmm. we get, especially at a position where everything is put upon your shoulders. Yeah, I, I really like Brocklin. I think I he's too. I think over time he's going to be good. He throws a nice football, gets out of the hand quickly. Uh and this is without him having a good day yet. Like he has not had a day where he's just dealt or anything like that. But you can just tell he processes things quickly. Throws a nice football. I think he's going to be all right. Like I, I am encouraged by what I've seen. I think, I think he's very good for Duffy too, because Duffy is capable. Duffy's a smart kid. He's a talented, physical kid. I think Brock Glenn, insertion into the program, is very, very good for pushing AJ to you know maximize who and what he can be. It's like we reported that at Knowles twenty four seven, beginning of the month in a T, and now it's coming to fruition. How about that? Anything you want to add on on running or spoiler alert? I quarterback room Zach before you jump to the running back room. No, I think you guys cut. I think you guys covered it well. Nailed it. All right, running back room. Trey Benson moves well. Two hundred twenty-one pounds. He's he, he he looks good. Uh, Rodney Hillhive stand club there, Zach. Uh, how's Rodney look so far? In spring. He had a he had a run on Friday that was insanely impressive. He 
Um, I don't know if he would have caught, got caught in the backfield. You know, they obviously don't let guys, you know, make tackles, uh, defenders make tackles in the backfield because they don't want anyone getting injured uh, during these practices. But he redirected on a run and was able to, um, you know, change, you know, change up his direction. And, and it was just really impressive. He, uh, you know, he got outside of the tackle and, and just burst down the sideline um, on, you know, kind of, it looked like, kind of a counter um just based on the way he was running it um but yeah i think uh i think rodney hill's really good he's probably running back two or three um because i holmes is, is making that you know not not as easy as a pro, uh, projection for us or in probably for the fsu staff what do we um, like about kazai holmes like why why is that zach he's just oh, he's a, a, yeah he's a big back that you can uh, he, he's a, he's powerful but he's also pretty speedy for for that size you wouldn't expect him to be that quick for a guy that that's you know 210 pounds right is, is yeah he's listed at 210 yeah. and he's noticeably in better shape these days than when yeah. he first stepped on campus so he's just impressive and and i and i think you know what we've seen so far is probably not his biggest strength i think when the pads come on and and you're actually seeing guys hit each other um it's probably where he's going to shine the most um and, and i think he's a guy that embraces contact um he's a, there, there are some clips of him at penn state going through i think it was like oklahoma drills just absolutely destroyed a, a defender like just ran through him um that's and i think a lot of penn state fans were pretty excited about that because you know, he's a guy that's that's at that size six what six one 200 210 pounds um moving that well and, and able to embrace contact i think that's something that you know the fsu coaches want to welcome into that running back room that's something maybe they've missed um in previous years and he's a guy that can provide that and i think that's very valuable Zach's out here giving the man two free inches. He's 5'11", but he is a big man. Good show. Let's talk about <laughs> tight end room. A uh, a diversity of bodies and skill sets there in that room. I think that's popped out to me through the first few days. Chris, what stood out to you about that position group? Uh, Jaheim's fun to watch. Uh, he can do a whole lot of different things. Large person, can truck it downfield, catches it well. Biscuits, I thought, had a very good first week. Um, just very consistent catching ball, doing what you want out of that position. Morlock looks fine. Uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of a adjustment going on with Kyle, but Kyle's a big target, vertical threat for them. Uh, trying to think who else in that room. Jackson West isn't really doing much right now. He's you still know what, you know, trying you know what, to get he, back. I th- was he announced as not? I can't remember. I can't you know what? Let's not. Let's not. Let's let's keep moving on. Moving on that one. Probably we won't start okay, there. Sorry. That's that's yeah. my fault. Uh, real quick on on Kyle Morlock. I do like the way he moves at his size. Yeah. His his footwork. His feet are extremely light. Almost reminds me of like watching like a soccer player's feet. And kind of he has some glidiness, which at six five, six six, two hundred forty pounds. Like, yeah, there's um, I would there say is something there. The main thing I've noticed with Morlock, mostly in one on ones, is. Tight ends at this level deal with a lot of hand-to-hand combat and a lot of tussling at the line of scrimmage. Getting off of that, creating small space separation to give yourself a catch window is very important at that position, unless you're a guy who's kind of freaky athletically and can separate from people. I think Kyle Morlock is a guy who has to learn that like the guys I'm going against at this level are going to be ultra-aggressive. You're going to deal with some really – he's going to be dealing with you know DNs, linebackers, safeties, and corners. Those are the positions that he's going to be battling with, especially those first three up the middle. And that's something that I think just is going to come with reps and with time and with understanding. And the good news is he's facing a decent amount of guys at FSU at those spots who have done it at this level at a pretty good clip. 
that's going to help. Practice is going to prepare them for what's coming on Saturdays in the fall. I do want to uh, to give a hat tip to Preston Daniel. I know he's kind of a forgotten man a lot of the time when we talk about the tight end room and, and kind of the butt of jokes of just like what, what that room has, has not been able to be the last few years. But he has had a really good first week of practice. He looks noticeably quicker. Someone who I think has a, a fire lit under him. Not that he hasn't worked hard before, except he's very much so self-made uh, to get to this point and rep as much as he, he has as, as a walk-on. But someone who's responded really well to the competition and FSU bringing in veterans in that room, he's he's been good. He was great on Wednesday in one-on-ones. Friday, physically, like as a blocker, like he is he is used as an example for others on, on how to to go about technically. So that's just good. I it, I don't know what President Daniel's role is going to be. I just want to to show some love to someone who's doing things the right way and is is going to battle for playing time. He's going to make it difficult as, as difficult as he can be for Florida state to, to completely leapfrog him out of the equation. Let's move to wide receiver. Chris mentioned it. Micah Pittman was not supposed to practice this spring, uh, but it was announced on his YouTube channel that he will be out for four to six months as he recovers from a hip injury that requires surgery. Labrum. Yeah. labrum or labra. I don't know the difference. Of, of yeah, was, he said he played it like he had hip pain um, after I think it was the first scrimmage of fall camp last season. And he basically got like, uh, what is it? Steroid shot. Is that what, is that what they call it? Um, I don't know. I, you know, the two of you once prognosticating, Prognosticating about injuries. The other one's talking about steroid shots. Both the, of you guys. They, they are... gave him a shot to basically uh, help with the pain, and he played with the hip injury the entire 2022 season. After the season, they reevaluated it, um, and they found that he had a completely torn labrum. I watched the video, so I was just uh, recapping a little bit so that FSU fans get a little more context. Brendan, I know you're not really one for context, but <laughs> selves in the show. I'm going to mention that Winston Wright. Congrats on being back, buddy. Yeah, you've looked good, and uh, it's been Thank fun you. to watch Winston move around on the field. And I think he's a guy that you know some of that role will come his way, which it would have anyways because that's who and what he is and what he was recruited to be here. But that obviously opens the door. I'll also mention Dre Jacobs for a freshman. He's had some nice moments. Like he stood out. Like Hakeem to me more has looked like the freshman in the sense where there's been some moments of struggle, and he'll get through that and he'll work into it. And it's probably about the hardest Hakeem's ever had to work at this level because he just you know dre went to vero beach which was a school competing at a high level in the playoffs stranahan wasn't quite that i think it's a little bit different not trying to knock a program or anything and uh, i mentioned him earlier but darian williamson's had his moments have we mentioned kentron portier i know not we have not Slaka. have we mentioned jakai douglas we have not i do like jakai douglas a lot we had good things about him in the off season and um I think was it you, Zach, who said like just fluid? It may have been you or Dane. I it was remember. it was me. Don't was don't me. let Dane take the credit for it. I thought he was the receiver that created the most separation in one on ones and in all the like seven on and eleven on stuff they were doing at practice. The the past three practices, he's just he looks like he's moving at a different speed than I've seen him move at FSU. Um, I mean, it, this guy like it just it takes me back to like how how crucial he was to have on that that 2021 team um, because of all those clutch plays he made and I think he's a guy especially in the wake of um, Micah's Micah Pittman's injury that can really step up for this team and, and help them out and I think 
he just he he like I said, he's moving at a different speed than I've ever seen him move um, in Tallahassee. While well, he's been in Tallahassee, he was really good last spring, and then yeah. they had big plans for him in 2022 before the shoulder injury kind of derailed some of that. Yeah, you and, missed and he like two games, right? Yeah, and he was fine. Like when he came back, worked his way through. He had like 100 something receiving yards, so he was able to get into the scheme or into the the swing of things. Excuse me, but yeah, so he he is someone that projects as a really impressive slot wide receiver. It, I do think where FSU will miss Micah Pittman, again, depending on how long the injury lasts. I mean, if it's four months and he can get back and, and be 100%, then, then it won't impact you the season. If it carries into six months, and, you know, with hip injuries, those can be tricky. And he even kind of alluded into the video, which I also watch Zachary. Uh, he doesn't sound like you watched it. <clears throat> he, he said he wasn't sure if he'd be able to go this season. And I think that open it's open to interpretation whether he is discussing like the season opener or the season at all but you're talking about hip injury core like that uh, a major joint like we'll have to see what the rehab process looks like for him and he's going to keep us updated on his his youtube channel so that's going to be an interesting little insight there but um you know i think you're going to be fine at slot wide receiver with the options that you do have uh, even though you really like micah Pittman, you know he's dependable a really good blocker Productive last year for sure. Punt return as if he does miss time. We do have to talk about like that is that is the area of concern. He was so reliable last year. I talked about on our YouTube channel. We did a video on it, but real quick, like basically the difference of him even before you you get into him just feeling the ball and like the, the potential botch punts, but just what he did as a returner, it's about like an extra first down of yardage per game and what he was able to give you that's like not insignificant that could be the difference of a field goal or not in a close game. Like it matters. And so he was a good kick punt returner, excuse me. And more importantly than just the return yards fielded everything. And yeah. and we saw what happened when he wasn't. So I, we'll see. I mean, I think Azaria Thomas is someone we've seen in the open period of practice, getting some, some punt return reps uh, all day. Dre as well. I think Winston Wright would make sense if you feel yeah. comfortable with him back there because of what he can do as a kickoff returner. So you have some options, but yeah, Michael Pittman was a proven commodity there. And, and hopefully for FSU and for him, he, he doesn't miss a, a ton of time. Uh, wide receiver did mention Kentron Portier. Really like what he's done through three practices. Maybe the, well, maybe outside of Johnny Wilson, who's excellent. Uh, and Ja'Kai Douglas, I think Kentron's maybe, flashing the most like the, the the most upside and the most like special plays i really like him and he's been very consistent as well uh so he's someone that we'll keep an eye on let's move to the trenches chris you you hinted at a i wouldn't even say hinted and i, was gonna I say hinted hint. i it was wasn't pretty a, strong about my love for jeremiah yeah it so wasn't a man here. crush it was basically you want to to so to paint the picture, they do one-on-ones and then they'll start doing two-on-two stuff with O-line, D-line. And, and then two-on-two, the most difficult part of that is when one block feels essentially the bump and chaos that creates where both blocks feel. What Jeremiah Byers does that pretty much nobody else on this roster does, and most college linemen can't do, and even NFL linemen struggle with, is he'll get a guy, he will make his initial you know counter, and then if he's going to stay with him, he'll stay with him, moving his feet, keeping his hands on him, being square. But if he passes him off, he does a phenomenal job of like passing off directly into the chest of a teammate while getting his hands on the guy that he's now switching with and blocking him. It was just, it was awesome to watch. Like he was so good at it, so fluid at it. He did it multiple times. Uh, I think Pat Payton's the only guy that gave him any trouble on Friday. And, you know, Pat, Pat Payton's Pat pretty Payton good, as we know. Give him, give him a hell of a couple of reps. But, yeah. um, 
but Byers is really, really good on the day. And his ceiling, his capability, his body size, his ability to move, his vision, his hands, it's it's an awesome package. Good show. Uh, Darius Washington has been very good, I thought, uh, through three practices, and he, he's flashed at times. It is tougher to kind of judge holistically the entire offensive line because there's so much going on just in terms of like we're trying to see a lot of things happen in practice. Uh, so one full day is really what we've had to to totally like evaluate it. But I think Darius has looked good. Jeremiah Byers has looked good. Keandre Jones, Chris, you mentioned earlier, his good reps are, are excellent. Like that is a, a, a massive human being who's going to move people. It's about cleaning up some, I think maybe try to get like 10 pounds lighter, get a little quicker on his feet. If you're able to get there, that's someone who is going to contend for a starting spot. Talked about Casey Roddick kind of transitioning right now. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on the offensive line we want to get into right now. I think. I mean, I'm Marie Smith is one of those guys. You know, I remember a year ago when Caden Laws came in, we were thinking, oh, he's going to lose his job. Like, I'm not betting against Marie Smith. I learned my lesson a year ago. I'll put it yeah. that way. No, he looks good. He's carrying his weight well right now. So um, he'll be good. Let, let's move to the other side of the ball defensive line. Chris, you mentioned Patrick Payton giving Jeremiah Byers a hard time. He is explosive. He is bendy. He is everything that we saw last season. Hasn't put up a ton of weight. Doesn't look physically a whole lot different, but just his movement skills. Someone who's very, I think, assured in himself and what he's going to be. Uh, Zach, anyone in the trenches, but specifically defensive end that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think Gilbert Edmond um, is a guy that that they probably hit on um, for a guy that, you know, he's probably going to crack it too deep. Um, in in this upcoming season, and that's what they want. Um, they didn't they didn't bring him in to be like an absolute uh, you know dude like they did the previous two cycles in in Jermaine Johnson and Jared Verse. They already got guys that have been in the program and, and are quality starters like Verse and Derek McClendon and even um, Pat Payton, who's a guy that that obviously impressed last season. But Gilbert looks the part, a guy that plays well out in space. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. There was a play that he kind of snuffed out um, by being able to cover some ground in the flats. And I think that is um, an important, you know, skill set that FSU needs in a defensive end because, you know, we saw sometimes last season, specifically against Oklahoma, um, there were some teams that were able to bully FSU in that aspect. And I think Gilbert Edmond maybe alleviates some of that, those issues um, because of his athleticism and his ability to be able to play in open space like that. So, that, that that's my biggest takeaway from the DNs. I mean, they're all pretty solid. Like you said, Pat Payton had some great moments on Friday. Jared versus Jared verse. We know what we're getting out of him. Um, he's been an impressive vocal leader in that, in that group um, and just on the team in general. So I'm um, definitely a good bunch and, and I'm excited to see them work. Byron Turner's had some bright moments. I think yeah. for him, it's about channeling that consistency, um, but you do he see to put on some weight. He does look a little thin, right? Yeah, it's not even th- – it's just like it's kind of wiry, I guess. But that, that that might be his build. That might be just what they want him to do right now. Um, he's moving well, and he's disrupting the run. Like we've seen him impact the run game a couple times. So that's what matters. So I don't know if I need to say he needs to add weight. I don't know what the, the plan is with him. He is moving very well right now. Um, I was going to do a little addition on Gilbert Edmund, but I'm trying to move us along here. Let's let's stop and, and gush at defensive tackle for a minute. I think that's worth a little bit of, of time to shine because uh, they they are loaded. Uh, Chris, you mentioned the healthy Fabian Love. It's a it's a yeah. fun thing to watch, and uh, we're going to talk plenty uh, about Daryl Jackson here. But Fabo 
looking like pre-injury Fabo is a really positive sign for FSU. Uh, the short area of quickness for a guy his size is kind of unbelievable to watch at times. When he's able to either shed a block or just, you know, win immediately off the snap, how quickly he gets to his point of attack, it, it's it's unbelievable to watch. It's why I think he's a high-level prospect. It's probably why FSU didn't lose the game last year when Fabian Love it was, you know, playing for them. There's a reason the kid's really good. Their, their their yard per play would have been first nationally when he's on the field. Now, obviously, yeah, you're going to have to rotate defensive linemen all the time. But like, just to put how good they were, they they were dominant defensively when he played. I, I'm going to be a bit stubborn with the whole Lovett thing all year because I think Lovett didn't get the appreciation he deserved last year, nationally speaking. For oh, yeah, no, locally he does. I think the beat does. I think the fan base does. It literally went on the field. I'm talking nationally. Like, yeah. can, love can I awesome? Can I derail good. us real quick, or you guys say yes or no? Buy or snow? Can I derail? Sure, us? real quick. Buy or snow? Do you think the general fan base know what the FSU beat is? I was thinking about that this weekend. Like, what? What a yeah. I think they understand the primary people. I mean, local paper, obviously us, and outlet like War Chant, for example, no game day. You know, the, there's a consistent amount that have been out there. You know, the last several years doing the job. Yeah, I, I think the average person does. I'm going to give people a little credit. Okay. There, Sorry, there's obviously fringe. There's fringe that leans into what others say and do stuff. Whatever that I wouldn't include in that. But I'm not here to. Do you do you include uh, like people that run like Twitter live streams and like any Instagram? I'm, page? I'm going to stop short because I don't really feel like having Twitter and Instagram beef. But like I think I'm we not, present. I'm not, I'm not I think we present anyone. a phenomenal product and do a great job of covering this program. And I would put us up up against anybody. Plain simple. Thanks, pops. Um, You're welcome, buddy. No, I think uh, I think there is some confusion, Brendan, but I don't think it's like a huge issue. I'm just I I think there is people think that the FSU beat is this general encompassing uh, beast, but it's really not. I mean, it's the people that are um, on the beat. They're they're covering this day to day, and they're they're out there and um, you know doing. I, I, like what what is the definition of that? I define it as if you screw up something, you have to look at someone in the eyes uh, in that program and, and either explain it, or if you say something that is inflammatory, you have to be able to... It's credential learn. media, no? Yeah. I mean, yes, I think that would probably be the, the most general definition of it. Yeah. Anyways, back to back to Fabian Lovett and the amount of national attention, Chris. Sorry. I mean, love it's been phenomenal. Moving along, Daryl Jackson, we chatted about him earlier. You know, he's been great. Uh, you know, we've talked he's about so good. and how he's come back. Jackson is really, really good. Like, I the agree. ceiling for Jackson is absurdly high. Josh Farmer's also been good, a little bit more consistent rep to rep, which is what you probably want to see from him at this point in his career. Um, he's also having fun playing beside his buddy Daryl Jackson out there. You can tell that. Uh, he hasn't been, I wouldn't say good, but uh, – Tay Woody, his good reps are oh, pretty impressive. Put him like, in the, they're, they're put not him in a, there's something their category. Yeah, they're not consistent, well. but he'll he'll have one or two here and there, and you're like, oh, that's a large human who, who can move people off the spot and get where he wants yeah. to get pretty quickly for how big he is. And yeah. They think highly of Dennis Briggs. He's always kind of a yeah. guy that we forget it, but they do think highly. I know Chris likes him a lot too. They do think yeah. highly of Dennis Briggs, and we'll have a very specific role for him. Um, because his his good moments can can change a game with what he does as a pass rusher. Daryl Jackson. All right, real quick, then we'll move on. There was one rep in team drills, full pads. So, like, this is the context of, like, what a game will be like. And he was going against 
the good. He was going against a good group of offensive linemen. And there was one play where he, it was an outside run or like a stretch run. And he was able to, with his right arm, push an offensive lineman away and keep him off of his body. And then with his left arm, grab the running back who was trying to cut inside of him. He basically took up like two and a half gaps with his wingspan and strength combination. and was able to get the stuff. And I was like, oh, that is different than anything that we've seen the last few years. It's about channeling that consistency, you know, consistently uh, and harnessing that. But holy crap, if if you're able to get that type of dominance from him consistently, and he impacts the passing game too. With like, there was a play where he got his arms up and Jordan threw the ball, uh, had to change his trajectory on the pass. Anyways, I'll stop gushing on Daryl Jackson. I don't want to bore you guys, but uh, I was skeptical of him going into the spring and what I've seen in three days has, has drastically altered my, my vision of what he, he can become Uh linebacker. We talked about, we know what the veterans are in that group. Um, I don't think there's a ton more to add there right now. Cornerback room and secondary is going to be interesting. Chris mentioned Duke Cooper. I think he's been really good. He mentioned KJ Kirkland. He's been good. Quindarius Jones has had some bright moments. I thought he was actually excellent on Friday, and that was after a good Wednesday. Um, Zach, you're shaking your head. I know you and Kev are kind of the top two members of his fan club there, so uh, I'll let you throw some shine on him. Chris, whatever. You don't. You can't get everyone. I think uh... – You're not allowed to talk about prospects after the way you just embarrassed all of us talking about Jeremiah Byers. It was just it – was... I can't help it that I absolutely – appreciate right. we don't need advice. any more weird description um no i think uh quindarius jones is a guy that is very impressive as a true freshman like he just he knows where to be and i think that's an undervalued trait for a guy that's you know a defensive back coming in as an early enrollee right like he's supposed to still be in high school right now but he came in early to be around this team and start getting acclimated to this program and he looks the part man like he's a he's a uh lengthy db which is you know something that, that they're trying to recruit moving forward at that position um him working at corner is just impressive to me i think he's insane like incredibly competitive which i also love to see from a guy like that and he doesn't really like he's taken a ton of reps like he just he he's constantly on the field and i think that's something you want to see out of a, of a young guy right like getting as many uh, live reps you can at, at a practice against some of these guys that are established wide receivers in the power five at the power five level like Quindary Jones didn't have another listed offer besides FSU at high school we didn't know if he existed even though we'd seen him in person like it was it was a weird yeah. recruitment yeah so uh, there's definitely a like there was a weirdness to his recruitment but I I love to see like what he's done so far um in spring ball and I just loved like the competitiveness just stands out the most. Like he loses a rep, he learns from it and he'll come back and, you know, go over and over again until he, he wins. And and he has won a good amount of reps. So like, that's just an impressive part to me when I watch uh, Quindarius Jones. Uh, the other cornerbacks, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, Renardo Green's been really good. Really yeah, good. Yeah. Travis J had moments. Uh, I think it was Wednesday where he got chatted a bit about by Mike Norvell. I think he yeah. created a turnover in that practice, if I recall correctly. Yeah. But Renardo is like the only guy that can cover Johnny Wilson. I mean, we haven't really seen Fentro, but like Renardo's been sticky. He's been really good at staying in the hip pocket and competing last, for the ball. Last last season they had Duke Cooper against Johnny Wilson like every practice in one-on-ones, and it was just not even fair. Like Johnny would would win almost every rep. But Renardo's 
keeping it really competitive with Johnny, in my opinion. And and there's some stuff that you just can't cover with with the guy that's six seven and has that that type of speed, right? Like in, in just the range of his you know ability to catch the ball. But Renardo's doing the best that I've seen out of any FSC defensive back covering Johnny. I mean, all the cornerbacks have had some some good moments. Like Zary Thomas has has popped a few times. That Jerry and Jones has been good. Yeah, Greedy Vance is the practice. We always talk about what he does in practice, like as far as just bringing energy and intensity, and he is that practice player. But I think we're seeing the level of like extra movement skills and confidence and knowing where to be from him. So like, no, I mean, there's this has been a fun spring so far. Really looking forward to FSU's going to be on the. Uh, they have spring break this week. Really looking forward to them getting back to it next week with the pads back on. Like this is going to be fun to see a lot of competition kind of play out and present itself through uh, the remaining 12 practices of spring. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. So I think that's everything for this episode, right, fellas? Anything else we want to get to before we wrap up? No, we good. Okay, shaking your heads. Good. Yep. Yep. Audio. That's my fault. We're good. Yeah, All right. I mean, we just. Good. Yeah. Oh my God. I think. I think what? the main thing is like we'll have some more content to to put out from Legacy Weekend. We need. I need. I, I know for myself, I needed like a day to like, like just de stress from that weekend. It was. It was crazy. It was basically two straight days of twelve hours being out there or more, and then that's not including like going home and writing some more stuff. So appreciate Chris, Dane, Brendan, um, all helping out from, from that weekend. We might do a show with uh, Trey, myself, and AB later this week. Maybe breaking the OV? Down, yeah, the OV, breaking down some maybe some film of the guys while also talking a little bit more recruiting, so stay tuned for that. But just yeah, stay stay locked in to Nose247.com because we'll have uh, additional content stemming from Legacy Weekend over the next few days. All right, for Chris Nee, for Teenage Groot, I'm Brendan Sinone's been on the bench. We'll talk to you guys later. I'm Groot. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.